Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? I am well, although we've had some sofa issues. So we got some sofas, was it uh, just before Christmas last year? And from the minute they arrived, I hated them. I hated the colour. I hated the look. I hated the style, everything. And these were ones that we had gone in and carefully selected in store, um, chosen a particular colour and then they'd been made. So, of course, because they'd been made specially, we couldn't get a refund on them. And it's fair to say I've moaned about them every day since then. And it got to the point where my husband said, right, sell them. If you can get the right price for them, sell them. Bear in mind, dear listener, he adores these sofas. So for him to say that was a big step forward. So put them online, offered them, agreed the price with him, what he thought was he would he could cope with. And they were sold. They were sold and they went. So immediately I was straight on, right, I know what I'm ordering, ordered it, found out I could have it delivered a few days later. Fantastic. Had them delivered. This was great. They're all packaged up. So um, I said, right, to my son, let's get all this undone, all unpackaged. And then daddy will walk in and just be like, wow, this is amazing. I'm so glad that you, you know, you were right. (laughs) You were right in getting them changed. So did all of this, took ages to get them out and fix the feet on and any, arrange it. Great. Um, and so do the whole ta-da moment, put the lights on. And I look at them and think, that's the wrong colour. <laughs> so I took, I got a photo of the colour as advertised on their website and put my phone against the new sofa and took a photo of that. And they were completely different. Um, as uh, as one of the children said, oh, Gosh, mummy, that, that colour looks like something from the dog when the dog's not well. So I'm talking about all sorts of awful dog stuff at the moment, but there you go. Uh, and it was true. So uh, the latest of that was then I had to phone up and say, look, it's not it's not the right colour. Fortunately, they said that's fine. They agreed. We'll send people round to collect them. However, they have to be wrapped. We can't accept them if they're not wrapped. Uh, I was just like, right, well, somehow we're going to make this happen. Um my husband and I spent three hours 
rewrapping these things. And because it's fair to say I'd sort of taken the covers off in a rush, there were bits and pieces of plastic and everything. So it was like an episode of Blue Peter trying to get it all wrapped back up. So much sellotape was used in the process. It was unbelievable. It's like when you got a massive present to wrap on for Christmas and you've got these little bits of Christmas paper and you're trying to make it all work in like patchwork or something. Oh, my goodness. So um, currently we have uh, no sofas. Uh, so that's good because every other sofa, it seems now, takes 17 weeks to arrive. And I'm so scared of making the wrong decision now. I haven't I haven't ordered anymore. I just don't know what to do. So my plan before everyone comes home is to get the wicker furniture out of the conservatory. And we're going to have that. So that'll be nice. I'm sure everyone will love that. Anyway, so that's where, that's where I am. Disaster as always. I have got five brilliant books to talk to you about. Really good ones. Um, a little different, um, but really, really good. So I can't wait to talk to you about those. I've got a super author interview. Very interesting. And before we get started, I was just looking at, uh, there was a, a group I belong to on Facebook, not the Quick Book Reviews, podcast group although please speaking of that do come and join us you'd be very welcome just go to facebook type in quick book reviews podcast and you'll find us straight away and you'd be very very welcome there uh, but on another group we were talking about when do we actually give up reading a book not that that applies to any of the books this week I have to say um, no I wanted to keep reading all, all of them but you know there are sometimes when you pick up a book and it just doesn't work um, it it might well be the, the wrong time for you. It might be that the book isn't right for you. But the question was just when when do you give up? And half half of the, the people, quite a few people, hundreds that responded to this was said, look, if it doesn't grab me, I'm never going to finish it. That's it. Done. Um, a quarter of people said, if it doesn't grab me, I will pause it. So they, a quarter of people had the absolute intention of going back to that book. Um, and another quarter-ish said, well, if I've started it, I'm finishing it. And usually I do that. But if it's a book that I really struggle with, I'll finish it at some speed, shall we say. Um, there will be a couple that I, that I don't finish, but, but not many. And then uh, there were other comments like, oh, life's too short. Try another. Or somebody said, well, I give it 100 pages. That's quite a commitment, I think. If it's a book that you're not enjoying, you give it 100 pages. Say it's a 300 page book. That's a third of it that you've you've gone through. That's uh, that's quite brave, I think. Um, and somebody else made the point that I agree with, that they would persevere if it's an author they're loyal to. So maybe it's an author that you follow, you've loved all their books and then they produce a book that you're not really enjoying. But because you really admire that author, you follow them, you like them, whatever, hopefully not stalking them. Let's draw the line there, shall we? But if it's an author you admire, you, you would carry on. And I think I would if that if that was the case um, and then wait for for their next book. Um, so I just thought that was really interesting. What do you do? Do let me know. I'm always interested to get your your messages. Um, what When do you give up reading a book or do you just keep going head down? I'm going to finish this book. So do let me know. Anyway, let's get on to the stories. So the books I'm reviewing today, sorry for the rustling because I picked them all up. You know, I like to do that. We've got Three Hours that's written by Rosamond Lupton. We've got The List written by Karis Jones. We've got Lost by Leona Deakin. 
we've got The Dead of Winter. Yes, a Christmas book by Nicola Upson. And we've got Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Uh, and that's the one that Adele's been talking about a lot. She's lost a lot of weight. She's found her new life. Um, and she's been quoting this book as one of the catalysts for that. So I thought, oh. I do know, actually, the only thing I need to do to lose weight is just stop eating chocolate. But I thought, no, rather than stopping eating chocolate, I'll buy a book and see if that helps instead. Um, but it, it turns out Adele also had to eat a lot of, I don't know, liquidised broccoli and all sorts of things like that. No, no, thank you very much. But anyway, it's a good book. and There's some good good points from it. So we better get started, hadn't we? Because we've got a lot, a lot to cover. So the first book, as I say, is Three Hours by Rosamond Lupton. And um, in a minute, we're going to actually talk to Rosamond about this book and hear more about uh, how she approached writing it. Um, this is one that I'd heard a lot about, but for some reason I hadn't picked it up. And when someone said, would I like to read a copy? And I said, oh, yes, go on. I, I don't know. I didn't have massive expectations. I don't know why. But it was phenomenal. I'll read you the blurb. In rural Somerset, in the middle of a blizzard, the unthinkable happens. A school is under siege. Pupils and teachers barricade themselves into classrooms, the library, the theatre. The headmaster lies wounded in the library, unable to help his trapped students and staff. Outside, a police psychiatrist must identify the gunman, while parents gather desperate for news. In three intense hours, all must find the courage to stand up to evil and save the people they love. Um, so if you're not normally a thriller person, I would say this is for you. If you are a thriller person, I would say this is for you. It, it's got everything, but it's written in not a poetic way, it, just in a beautiful way. So if your focus is more on, on the words and um, and the way it's written and the style, then again, you would just in, in, enjoy this. It, it's just a wonderful marriage between superb writing and this incredible crisis and how the characters respond to it and what happens, because you just don't know. Who, who are the gunmen? What are they doing? What's going to happen? What will happen to the teachers, to the children, to the staff? You've got all these, it's both sort of the individual and, and the different groups. Um, it's uh, quite a, a quick read, um, sort of 300 pages, but it's one that you could really spend some time reading. I, I was just so caught up in it. You know me, I'm very visual. I, I just loved it. Um, and I had to sit in the car for some reasons that I won't go into for an hour and a quarter waiting for somebody. And I was delighted. I was like, yes, please. I would love to sit in my car and wait for an hour and a quarter so I can finish this book. Um, so that that's <laughs> certainly a first for me. So let's talk to Rosamond and see what she has to say. Rosamond, thank you so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate it. It's a, a complete pleasure. Um, this book, this wonderful book, uh, I... If you can say I loved it, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, obviously, it's a very difficult subject that it covers, but I, I really enjoyed reading it. And what struck me was you've got this sort of exquisite writing, soft, exquisite writing combined with this very punchy situation that I found sort of so unusual and, and compelling. Was was that something that struck you as you wrote or was that? Was... Yeah, I mean, I, I was really conscious that, you know, I was doing something that potentially was very uh, fearful making, you know, mm. there's a, a gunman in a school and that's really terrifying. Um, but I felt that if I got into the characters, 
and how they were feeling about it. And then that would lead me on to the strength of community and the different bonds and love that's going on within the school. And when you write about that, when you write about courage and love and community, then you naturally write about things that are rather beautiful. Um, so it's kind of offsetting um, what I thought was really wonderful in the human spirit against what's really dark. And I thought, you know, it was going to be really dark. And as I wrote it, actually, it didn't seem as dark as I thought it was going to be. Yes. And it's this crisis and how people react to it. For me, it wasn't just how they react individually, but some certain groups as well. Was, was that Definitely. again something... Definitely. I mean, I, I almost explored it with them. So I would take characters and think, well, how is this person feeling and behaving? So, for instance, and they surprise you. So I had this deputy head who suffers from depression yeah. and he thinks that makes him quite weak. He sees himself as quite uh, a fearful person. His boss, the head teacher, knows that he's not. But this younger guy doesn't believe that. Mm -hmm. And then during the course of this, he, he exhibits tremendous courage and selflessness. Um, and realises that robust mental health isn't the same as courage and that he has it. And, and so I liked exploring that with the character where they surprise themselves. Um, there's a mother who, whose teenage son is missing mm. for the duration. And she thought her love for him was very possessive. He's her youngest, that she didn't want him to grow up. She didn't want him to go to university. She didn't really want him to get a girlfriend. She wanted him to be her little boy. And then this happens and she realises that how she feels about him is the opposite of selfish. You know, she wants him to grow up and grow away from her. She wants him to go to university. She wants him to have a girlfriend and be independent because that's the right and natural order of things. So she realises, you know, how she felt before isn't actually how she really felt when push came to shove. Um, and I've, I was exploring that with quite a few of the characters that they would think they felt one way and then realise through this it was something different. And I guess in some ways it comes down to control when you think you have control over your life or, or somebody... Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a there's a girl in who, there's a library and people that haven't read it, they've barricaded the door because it doesn't have a lot with books. And there's a girl in there called Hannah and her dad is a single parent. And she thought she was, you know, getting fairly independent of him, you know, that she was growing up and dad didn't matter so much anymore. And she's in love with her boyfriend. And then actually it's his voice in her head that she hears all the way through. And she realizes that they're just as close, you know, in the ways that really matter. Yeah, so, I quite like and it's almost like I discovered that as I was writing it I think quite often you create characters and then they kind of take over a little bit yes absolutely it's wonderful and all within three hours I mean it, it's obvious away from the title it's all within three hours and yet it, it, it there's so much packed into that time was it always three hours from the very beginning it, it, that is sort of what I intended it to be I mean my first draft probably came out at about six hours um, I mean, I, I, oh, so I mean, there was a lot. I, I did a. I used to be a scriptwriter for telly and film, and I and I used to have to do scene by scene breakdowns. And with this, I did a, a minute by minute, or even thirty second by thirty second breakdown of where everybody is, because I think there's eleven characters. You know, there's parents and police and teachers mm -hmm. and students, and and so I knew where everybody was um, each minute, and then I plotted it through and got it. I think I go over by about three minutes. Oh, I, need, wow. I thought that's okay. Yes, <laughs> I can allow that. myself that. <laughs> and uh, obviously, this isn't your first book. You, you've you've written many others. Does but does I was interested in whether this book sort of stood on the shoulders of the books that came before. I know there's they're not linked, but could you yeah. have written this without having written the the previous ones? I absolutely couldn't have written this one without mm. having written the others. I mean, technically, it was just re a real challenge to have all these different points of view and then set it in three hours. 
mm. and for it to work um that that was really challenging I mean I enjoyed it hugely but it was hugely challenging and quite often especially in the beginning I thought you know I don't have a novel I've got 11 different stories and how yeah. do I make them all come together and how do I shape this into a book yes uh, absolutely yeah. absolutely I mean it's it's wonderful did did the story present itself to you as one um or did you get the sort of pieces I, I think it really so I started with a kind of image which was the the library door and the books piled up against it and it's like what are they afraid of what's going on in the corridor and then I had different things I was interested in I suppose and so I was kind of exploring different things um and then but they were all within this idea of a community in the school as a small community and how people would behave under under that kind of duress mm -hmm. and I wanted to kind of celebrate it so it's not a dark bleak look at humanity I think it's the reverse I've actually had teachers write to me quite a few saying that they found it uplifting um that, mm -hmm. and they were yeah. really, liked it so that was reassuring yeah um, so I, I think I knew the sense of it I knew kind of what I wanted um but achieving it is a different thing and I think the the, the gap between what I wanted and what I achieved you know, yeah. that, that was that was the challenge to close that gap yes I, and the ending was it always set in your mind exactly how it would end or did that that change well there's kind of two endings so there's a kind of climax I think um, which involves Macbeth, and the, the, you know, which mm. is a big climax. And yes. I, and I knew I was working towards that. That was really important. Um, and then right at the end, I didn't know quite how to end it, and it could have been bleaker, and then I just couldn't do that. So, I, yes, I always knew roughly what my ending was going to be. I always do with books. I kind of know the beginning and the end, and then it's the middle <laughs> that's the challenge. Well, I was wondering, actually, as, as you sort of went through and perhaps as you started editing it, if you ratcheted up the... The, the feeling the the pace or if you actually ratcheted it down from your first draft but... I think all I did was I sort of did it more in, intently so for example the the kids who and teachers are trapped inside the school I wanted this sense that the world is closing around them and the mm -hmm. sounds get louder and smells get stronger and you know, everything becomes so intense and time kind of stretches and feels different feels much longer um, so I worked on that that sense and then outside of the the school it feels like it's getting really big. So, you know, social media catches fire, you get the counter-terrorism officers joining. So yeah. while it's contracting down inside the school, it's kind of expanding outside. And I worked on that, I think, just trying to get that right. Um, but I know I didn't kind of add in any extra dangers or anything. I thought I had enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I found it very easy to read. And I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. I'm quite a, a visual... Yeah. reader if I can picture it I'm I'm in yeah. um and and I certainly found that with with this book was it easy to write <laughs> I don't know um, I think sometimes it's easy so so I think sometimes you cheat so I use words and words I think bring with them all sorts of connotations mm. for for people who've read fairy stories you know they're mm. places where you know Little Red Riding Hood and Hansel and Gretel and terrible things happen in woods and I kind of play with that a bit and then it snows and so visually it yes. feels that's that's really helpful uh, for the plot, obviously, because people can't find each other, but also I think as an atmosphere, and it was almost an adversary, you've got this bone chillingly cold day and snow's hiding everything. So I, I use things like that that really help tell the story. It's oh, wonderful. What's your favorite part of the writing process? It's really hard. I think it's, I think I'd said before, and sometimes characters kind of, it sounds really pretentious, but they take over a bit, but yeah. 
I remember writing the kids in the library and, and a character called Frank didn't exist and suddenly pops up and he's really adamant, you know, and he's got a crush on Hannah and he's worried he's, a, you know, really cowardly and he's all, and I loved Frank and I don't know quite where he came from. And I, I think it's that time when you don't, re, you know, the writing is just kind of happening. And um, do, do, do they present themselves to you as a picture in your mind or do they no, just pop up verbally? I think both. I was a scriptwriter so for years. So I think it's, it's, it's I hear them. Mm. Um, but also see them. I could see him at the back of the library, crouching down under a table, watching the brave ones who are barricading the door, thinking, I want to be brave like them, and I don't know how to be. And so it was it was a mixture of both. Uh, and maybe it's an everyman. Maybe it's that putting someone into that library. You think, yeah, that's a regular person yeah. who's frightened. Yeah. Uh, and so following his story was also a nice way of showing kind of everyman story. And if you sort of enjoy it when the characters start taking over in a way is, yes. is, has that been the same with the other books as well when you reach that moment yeah there comes a point normally mm -hmm. but I think three hours more than any of the others actually um has been where the characters have taken over um I mean it's I had to do a lot of, of, of kind of grind work you know just mm. trying to structure and plot and all of that um so it wasn't like oh, I just heard the voices and I typed yes. <laughs> I wish I yes. wish one day later <laughs> yeah. there we go novel done <laughs> no sadly not um, but yes, in three hours, it definitely felt more like I was connecting with the characters in a different way. Maybe it's because they're in this incredibly intense situation. Yes. Yes. So they're so vivid. They, they yeah. stand out e even more. Do you, do you write in the same place every time? I tend to vary it. So um, obviously I have been writing in cafes during lockdown, um, mm. but I quite like at the beginning going somewhere where there's people around. Um, so I don't just dismiss ideas. I don't have time to get all anxious. I just kind of write and there's no distractions. Um, I work at my kitchen table longhand quite a lot oh, and then when really? I'm doing the hard draft it's at my desk at a computer and if I'm writing dialogue it has to be at my desk because I can type so much faster than yeah. I can handwrite so I can kind of keep up with the character's dialogue if I'm typing yeah um, so yes all, all, all sorts of places I mean for me it's always a case of the grass is always greener but I have this idea and I'm sure others do that being an author is you know the, the pinnacle um, and and you've been an author for for some years now. Gosh, it is it that is it the pinnacle or is, I don't is know. it hard? I mean, no, I think it's hard. I don't think I don't mm. think I don't know how many other authors have imposter syndrome. I mean, I don't mm. think you ever feel completely like oh, clever me ever. <laughs> I just don't think that happens. Mm. I mean, it's it's you know it's very exposing. It's, it's kind of like your, yes. your book goes out there and, and everybody kind of read it and also kind of see a lot of me in that book. And that's quite mm. an odd feeling. Um, on the other hand, it also makes for intimacy because people who've read it can connect with you in a way that they couldn't possibly have done if I hadn't written a book. Yes. So that's really nice. Yeah. Uh, it's hard because you can't control how they read it. You know, if they read it in a, a few blocks or, or if they... Yeah their time is is short so they you know it takes several months for them yeah I think it'd be a hard book to read over several months because I think mm -hmm. you'd lose your place I mean I think you know yeah. it'd be really confusing I kind of want to say to people you need to kind of read it in chunks because otherwise yes it's quite hard picking it up and putting it down again because it's such an intense kind of read um but no I'm not, I'm really I'm very aware that I've been incredibly lucky I mean I know there are a lot of very very talented authors that haven't been as lucky but that comes with its own pressure as, as well. I think to some extent it does, yes. Um, I think, you know, you, you don't want to be disappointing and there's a certain, I don't know, um, if it's an expectation. Um, but 
I mean, I enjoy, the, I think what I have to do is sort of, when I'm just writing, is just kind of enjoy the story and not really think beyond that. Yes. And, kind of and, if, it. and if that works, then, then you've got a book that works that's, as well. That's the best yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, you're going to expect me to ask this, I'm afraid, but what next? <laughs> oh, well, the thing is with, with what, what next <laughs> is if I talk about it, we can hint about it, it kind of disappears because right. you know, unless so I've written it, I could something. spend months just talking about an idea for a new book and then I'd never, <laughs> ever write it because I would feel it was all done. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I can understand that. So we'll just leave that one brewing Thank you. there. Yes, yes, I'll get back to you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, just I thought three hours was an astonishing work it 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 really was and uh, I'm certainly going to be going back and reading your other books now because it's, it's just extraordinary so Rosamond thank you very much for joining oh, thank me thank you thank you very much well that was very interesting wasn't it just to talk to Rosamond about about the book and it does does really make you think do you know somebody said to me oh you're very nice to the authors that you interview and I said well that's because I only invite on the ones who have written books that I really really like so so that's why if you're wondering oh, do you know what somebody else said to me just a few days ago um do you actually read the books that you talk about or do you just read reviews of them <gasps> can you believe that uh, so yes the answer is I do read them I'd never thought about just reading reviews but then it wouldn't be my thoughts so anyway there we go oh can you believe it um so there we go that was three hours uh, by Rosamond Lupton and I really did enjoy that one the next book is called The List by Caris Jones. Uh, Caris is a, a new author and this has just been published by Orion. Um, the blurb is this, Beth Belmont runs every day. She knows every turn of her local trail, every bump in the road. So when she spots a strange slip of white paper at the base of a tree, she's drawn to it. On the paper are five names. The third is her own. Unease nags at Beth. Why is she on there? And what ties her to the four other four strangers? But when Beth discovers that the first two are dead, there is only one question left to ask. Is she next? Um, I enjoyed this. In some ways, it's simple. Um, there's a there's a, a problem and you find out what the solution is, what the answer is to that. Why is her name on the list? Um, and I thought it was a very good first book. I thought it had um, enough twists and turns and different pieces of information um, you find are unravelled as, as you go through. It certainly makes you think about whether you know people, even people that you're close to. You you know, do you really know them? Um, and I obviously don't want to mention the gist of the book, um, what would give it away. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought it was really good to hear from a new author um, and to have uh, writing like this. I thought just the simple question, you know, there's, there's an, an, a list with five names she's third down and the first two are dead that that tells you everything you need to know um so it's good to have a a hook like that and to really get you into it and i think orion are coming up with some super crime books at the moment so yes that was a that was a very interesting one so that was caris jones um and that book is called the list so now we're going to come on from the list to lost aren't I clever no um yeah so this, this book is lost I'm not very good at that am I uh the book is called lost um it's by uh Leona Deakin and I'm just going to get you the blurb this is a good book you need to be ordering this 
Um, <clears throat> there is an explosion at a military ball. The casualties are rushed to hospital in eight ambulances, but only seven vehicles arrive. Captain Harry Peterson is missing. His girlfriend calls upon her old friend, Dr Augusta Bloom, to support the investigation, but no one can work out if there is any connection between the bomb and the disappearance. When Harry is eventually discovered three days later, they hope he holds the answers to their questions, but he can't remember a single thing. Without any clues, will Dr Bloom find herself lost in this puzzle too? This is actually the second in a series um, and I haven't read the first one and it, that didn't bother me at all. It, the author very kindly gives you enough information that you're not left there sitting thinking, well, uh, doesn't make sense or she really wants me to read the first in, in the series as well. I need to stop and go back. Um, I thought it was a really good book. I can vividly remember uh, the scenes and the action. Um, I thought it is very fast paced. It keeps you guessing. Um, you've got the plots, you've got the twists and turns. It's confidently written. Um, great characterization, uh, just superb, really, really good book. So that's Lost by Leona Deakin. Um, and I thought that was just extraordinary, really good, really good book. The first one was called Gone. Um, and I'd heard of that, but I don't know why I haven't actually got, got around to, to reading it. Probably because there's so many books, but this certainly stands out. This is a, a, another corker of a book, I would suggest. So now we're on to The Dead of Winter by Nicola Upson. And yes, this is a book about Christmas. Makes me very happy indeed. So if you if you like a Christmas book, but if you're like me and you find some of the ones that you can get at Christmas either not great or a bit too easy, you know, just too easy to read, um, no meat in, in the words at all, then I think this would be a, a good book for you. Um, let me let me read you the blurb. December 1938. Storm clouds hover once again over Europe. Writer Josephine Tay and Detective Chief Inspector Archie Penrose gather with friends for a Cornish Christmas. But two strange and brutal deaths on St Michael's Mount and the unexpected arrival of a world famous film star in need of sanctuary interrupt the festivities. Cut off by a relentless blizzard, can Josephine and Archie prevent the murderer from striking again? Pivoting on a real moment in history, The Dead of Winter draws on the much-loved conventions of the Golden Age locked room mystery whilst giving them a thrilling contemporary twist. I love this one. I really enjoyed it. Yes, it's got Christmas. Would I have enjoyed it as much um, if it wasn't based on Christmas? I don't know. It's just great to finally find a book that's based at Christmas that stands up. Uh, on its own. Um, it's well written, well plotted. I like the setting. I like the different themes um, of, you know, the, the wartime, um, the strained relations in different parts of the world. You've got this famous film star coming in. Um, you've got the, the, this, the writer Josephine Tay put, put into words as well and, and her detective pal, Archie Penrose. Um, I, I thought it was very good. It's it's not one you can completely blast through. You you need to read it um, and take a bit of time. But equally, it's not like eating a very bony fish where you spend most of your time having to you know get the bones out and not enjoying the fish. 
that's an interesting analogy for today, isn't it? But it's not it's not like that at all. It's like um, it's, it's like tuna, a tuna steak. So you might have a couple of bones, but they're very big and manageable in there. Um, it's uh, it's not like a sea bass. But there we go. I don't know what I'm talking about. I have not had enough sleep and we've still got the sofa situation unresolved. Um, but basically, yes, the dead of winter, Nicola Upson, if if you're happy with traditional settings, which this one is, um, it, it's great. It will be a, a good Christmas present as well, I think, if you've got any crime fans in the family um, who like reading stories based at Christmas. They're few and far between, particularly good ones. And this is one. So there we go. That's the dead of winter. Now, finally, before I let you go, we're, we're going to talk Untamed by Glennon Doyle. As I mentioned earlier, this is the book that Adele has raved about um, and she seems to have lost 30,000 stone in weight. So I, I, that's why I picked up the book. And as I say, I just thought if I could read the book and lose weight instead of actually having to stop eating, then then that would be fine by me. Turns out that that's not what it's about. But anyway, we'll read you the blurb. Who were you before the world told you who to be? For many years, New York Times bestselling author Glennon Doyle denied her discontent. Then one day at a conference, she glanced up at a woman and three words flooded her mind. There she is. At first, Glennon assumed these words came from on high, but soon she realised they had come from within. This was the voice she had buried beneath decades of numbing addictions and social conditioning. Glennon decided to let go of the world's expectations of her and reclaim her true untamed self. Forceful and tender, Untamed is both an intimate memoir and a galvanising wake-up call about what is possible when we step out of our cages and say, here I am. Um, the book didn't have everything for me. You know, this is my problem. I expect what I call self-help or self-discovery books to completely solve my life and, and they don't seem to do that. However, I'm looking at it and there are quite a few pages that I have folded over. <gasps> Sorry, scandalous, but I folded over for future reference. Um, and that, I think, is the mark of a good self-help book. Um, it's uh, set out in easy to read chunks um, in quite small chapters so you can you can get through it and feel like you're making progress you don't have to wade through the initial few chapters um, there's some very good points she makes about people um, about bringing up children as well uh, some very good things that are staying with me and that I will probably well I will be applying as a, as a parent so uh, you know, crikey, I always feel as a, as a failure as a parent. Um, I think we all do, don't we? So any anything like that that's not telling you what to do, but just making observations about what she's done, um, it, it does make sense um, and, and I will be using. So I thought it was a good book. I wouldn't say it was a great book because while I have um, set some sections for future reference, it wasn't filled with them. It didn't deliver what I wanted. But then I suppose all I'd seen was Adele raving about it. So it comes down to expectation as well, doesn't it? Um, and maybe I had the wrong expectations, but it's a good book. It's one to read, definitely. Uh, just don't expect it to, you know, just don't expect to open the book and ta-da, your life has changed. It seems that's still down to us. Who knew? Anyway, so worth a read um, and it's non-fiction because I was very interested. We did um, 
uh, a poll recently on the QuickBook Reviews podcast Facebook group uh, to see what genres people like reading. And nonfiction was one of the top three, actually, which was interesting. So I did think I need to include a few a few more as we go on, which is why we've got that one there. So I think we've covered a lot and I think I need to leave you to your day. Uh, so the books we've covered, Three Hours by Rosamond Lupton and Rosamond very kindly uh, talked to us. Um, about the book and her process. Uh, we've had The List by Caris Jones, Lost by Leona Deakin, uh, The Dead of Winter by Nicola Upson and Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I think that's everything. I can't wait to talk to you again next week. We've got some brilliant books. We've got a fab author interview. Um, so look after yourselves and I'll see you very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.